Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 108 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy White. I've got two Citrites with me uh, here on the call. I, I tell you what, guys, I, Jeremy, you would know this place, maybe a spirited cyclist up in Davidson, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. I, walked in, uh, mm-hmm. I walked in there Friday. I didn't mean to. I took my son to the dentist. Um, the bike shop is right beside the dentist. Um, I saw exactly the bike I've been looking for, kind of looking for. Uh, and so I just started talking to the guy. And I ended up buying it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I've needed a bike and my bike's 20 years old. It weighs a thousand pounds. It's horrible. amount. It's a horrible mountain bike. I needed a bike. I deserve a bike. I bought a entry level specialized. So it's not that nice of a bike, but still nice. Long story short, I've got on my Citrite shirt and the guy who owns the bike shop asked me what a Citrite was. Uh, and he automatically associated with Citrix. Cause as I started talking, he started talking about his, uh, his, his file storage, AKA share file, AKA Citrix files. So it, uh, it's still out there. People still still have an idea what it is. The That's pretty wild. That's very wild. That's awesome. That's right. I've got relatives, Andy, that still think I work for the go-to-meeting company. <laughs> <laughs> well, and do you still try to explain to them or you just let it go? I just let it go. You just yeah. let it go. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I'm going to share my screen. Well, first of all, how are you doing? How, how have you been? What's going on in your worlds? Jeremy, I'll start with you. Oh, man. So I just got back from vacation. I spent a week in Alaska slash the Pacific Northwest. So I've never been up there before. And um, it's pretty amazing. So we did a cruise, seven day cruise. And yep. we made the trip up to Juneau, um, got out and did a little hiking, saw, saw a glacier that um, was pretty amazing and made our way back. Uh, yep. So we had a good time. We had a good time. So I did that trip, the reverse order from Anchorage down to Vancouver when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Um, what wasn't the most exciting cruise for a 13 year old to go on? Um, but yeah, I've, I've been there. I've been there twice since then for work, which has been awesome to go and, you know, spend some time and work and hike and do stuff. It's if you haven't been got to go, you got to go, you got to go. So you've done, um, some Citrix work up in some Zintegra work up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Citrix work, uh, up in uh, Anchorage. I, uh, yeah. I left there thinking, oh, I need to open an office here. There's so much opportunity. Well, working with the state um, and the organization. And there's no, you know, not a lot of Citrix partners up there. Yeah, yeah. Todd, yeah, there's, uh, a, um, there's, okay. a, uh, there's a there's a town out of it. So I have a, found out I have a cousin who lives in Juneau, right? Before she moved to Juneau, she lived in uh, Kings Cove, I want to say. Okay. And she talked, which is, um, it is the last, it's the peninsula before the Aleutians, you know, shoot out towards Russia, right? And uh, she she mentioned to me that the next closest big town was Anchorage, which was a thousand miles away. So just to put the whole thing in perspective, like how big that state is, yeah, um, it's it's ridiculous. I was listening to um, something recently, I think on national parks, or maybe it was something else. Uh, yeah, maybe it was like the Andrew Jackson era of politics. And oh no, it was uh, it's actually related to yeah, it ended up in the Civil War and Stewart, the uh, Attorney General, or the uh, uh, Secretary of State at the time, he was the one trying to buy Alaska. Mm-hmm. Actually, they tried to buy it before the Civil War, and then after the Civil War, they revisited it. And nobody understood why, and then you know now it's a no-brainer. That was that was a, that was a deal. That was a deal. Yeah, big deal. It was originally called Seward's Folly because of uh, because of that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, before I go to Todd here for what's new in Todd's world, Jeremy, I have to ask, how did your virtual desktop perform from a cruise ship? I know you tried. 
I didn't try. I didn't even remotely try. The internet, really? first of all, the, yeah, the internet on the cruise ship is notorious in, in that stretch of, of water for not working in general. So we got a little internet at the ports, but when you were cruising up and down the strait, yeah. um, even the uh, whatever satellite service they've got was was not good. So I, I tried to turn it off. I thought about it, but yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't try it at all. Well, I mean, kudos to you for turning it off. Um, it's also, and that's pretty a guidance, right? I mean, what we do in the world of EUC, digital workspace, VDI, mm-hmm. if you will, in some cases, many cases, look, I mean, there's a there's, there's a time to know when to hold them and time to know when to fold them. And in some cases, it's not the right solution because of that pesky you know, network thing that, uh, you know, it's extremely important to be stable, reliable, fast, fast yep. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say this, you know, we've got, I don't, I don't think I can name drop, but we do have some cruise lines that were leveraging our branch repeater, you know, for that kind of use case, just working from the ships doing that sort of thing. Well, Todd, you may remember, and I know, I know we got a limited amount of time here. So we're going down memory lane here, but there was somebody on my team when I was a Citrix SC that was like a week or two at a time, got to go on a cruise ship and do yeah. some POC work. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the cruise lines out of Miami had a, uh, had a couple of things that they were, that they were in- investigating. Right. And one of them was the entertainment system uh, was going to be delivered via PVS. Right. So they were going to have all of the devices boot off of, you know, an image based on what type of device it is. So if it's a crew facing device, it was going to have a, uh, obviously a crew image. If it was going to be something in a stateroom or a, uh, or any of the, the hotel areas of the, uh, the ship, uh, they were going to have that. And then there was another one for purely entertainment, right? Yeah. So uh, very similar to some of the old wise use cases that they had with uh, the, some of the hotels yeah. where they wanted to be able to deliver, you know, internet access via a PC experience without giving them, putting a PC in every single room. Yeah, I love that you just touched on, I think, three different types of potential virtualization concepts. One would have been streaming virtualization. Um, One would have been presenting virtualization, which would have been the virtual desktop, which most people call the virtual desktop streaming. That's not provisioning services is streaming. Presentation is that one. And then, uh, you know, machine virtualization potentially with what was called Zen Client um, would have been another use case and all the three things you just said. And, you know, the truth is, at the end of the day, the presentation virtual desktop hosted virtually, you know, back on some containerization solution uh, and then presented to wherever has ultimately won out. And that's because of that network thing we were just talking about has gotten better and better and better to the point where on airplanes now, sometimes it's a great experience and sometimes it's still crap, but it's getting there. Believe it or not, this is going to be a good segue to today's topic. So I'll just throw that out there. There's a tease. All right, real quick, Todd, anything important that we know about in your world going on? Yeah, so a couple of things up in the Boston area. We had a uh, we finally hit ninety degrees over the weekend, so uh, people are complaining about the heat. Whereas three months ago they were complaining about the cold. So uh, you know it's a cycle of life up here. Um, but other than that, you know, it's great seeing everyone uh, seeing everyone's kids graduate from high school, college, kindergarten, you know, nursery school. It, it's you know it's that time of year, um, and it's great also to hear people are taking some time off and enjoying themselves and uh, kind of finding a way to disconnect from work either by doing it intentionally by not paying attention or not, not trying to work while they're on vacation or unintentionally like having a ship that doesn't always have great reliable internet access. So (laughs) 
So this week is the week Zintegra gives away our Bronco, our Ford Bronco, Ooh, with our right. Work Has No Boundaries campaign. And, uh, you know, I think as I say that out loud, sometimes I'm like, work has no boundaries. Yay. And then I'm like, work has no boundaries. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I've committed to work to live, live to work, live to work. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm toast anyway. Um, all right. So for today's topic, we have a uh, concept from Citrix I want to review. Let me share my screen. Um, and this uh, concept around Citrix is where you guys are using your blog uh, workspaces, workspace, uh, to talk about explained features. And I, you know, Citrix over the past uh, 10 years has really come out with new things to try to move beyond, not run away from, but move beyond the uh, virtual desktop, virtual app presentation world. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of the, the old product name presentation server, because as a truest, I thought it really, it really did uh, exemplify what the product did. Of course, marketing guys didn't like it too much. Uh, but now we're talking about things like, you know, how to, how to allow people to work remotely, but work securely without having to go through that virtual presentation layer guys any uh, just kind of general ideas and we're going to do a bunch of these you know features explained this one's called this is by Stephen bells uh bills uh citrix features explained this one's browser security in citrix secure private access um can you any comments on just the overall concept of why it's important that citrix starts to break down each feature and explain them one at a time um Man, so I know from a security perspective, we like to talk about Citrix being a part of a layered approach to security. So there's lots of parts and pieces that make up a security strategy, right? So, you know, trying to walk in the door with a customer, with just an organization and having a discussion around, you know, just Citrix security. I mean, that's a that's a loaded question, right? So, you know, there is a lot that Citrix can do as a part of that strategy. I think it's very helpful to break down just where, some of these parts and pieces fit. So, I mean, secure browser is a, first of all, it's a great use case, but I mean, listen, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Andy, before I even took this job 10 years ago, if you were to ask me the question, what's the number one published application in a presentation server farm, see what I did there, what would you tell me? Well, so I would tell you, and I don't know if you're saying this question because you know how I'm going to answer it. I answer it different than everybody else. I say Windows, like Windows. Microsoft Windows is that application that's most widely available through a presentation form. All right, you're not wrong, but what would be the second most yeah. popular well, published application? And, and that's the Andy answer, and people look at me weird, but I truly believe that is the answer. However, the second most widely, and probably the one I did the most of in my um, career as an admin, is a browser. It's a browser, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, and why were folks doing that, right? I mean, the biggest thing was, number one, um, in a lot of cases, honestly, it was just trying to get users access to an internally based app, right? So, you know, how do you do that without a VPN? That's all part of the story. Um, but at the same time, you know, even if it's an externally facing app, you know, can I publish that through Citrix and more importantly, wrap some security around it, right? You know, so a lot of the reasons folks were publishing things for presentation service because they can control copy and paste, printing, um, you know, things like that, you know, but you introduce that into a browser, you know, what are your options? Yeah. And if I can add one thing on here as well, uh, there were so many applications out there that were being accessed via a browser that any change to that browser 
could render that application either not performing at all or subpar, right? So, so having the ability to publish out a specific version of the browser with the plugins already added in and all of the features and the security settings built in there, it really kind of, it became a stopgap measure to uh, restricting people's access, but also providing something that the IT folks could actually support and support well. So Todd, true or false? Uh, malicious um, people took down my company application portfolio um, more than Andy Whiteside, the systems administrator, did. I'm gonna. It's, it depends, right? No, no, so, it's, no it's, but but true, true or false? It yeah. it would be oftentimes it's a user error yeah, that's causing me. this. Yeah, I took the whole thing down. I mean, middle yep. of the day, flick the switch. Okay, that fixes that issue, no problem. Next thing you know, the phone's ringing everybody's down uh, because I systematically made a change to something. And at least in the world of presentation, I can put it right back versus yep. hitting the button that says, okay, roll that back and roll this in, uh, which could take forever. Well, and the other thing, Andy, that, uh, that a lot of, a lot of the software vendors, the, the browser vendors have trained us to do is just click randomly and just to accept all updates and accept by default, when we add in a plugin or when we add or change a configuration setting, right? So taking that control away from the sysadmins and the security professionals has really caused some havoc out there in a lot of organizations. Um, what used to be under the control of the IT folks is now being pushed over towards the end users, yeah. um, which can have a huge impact on both security as well as performance. Yeah. Hey, so guys, um, in the world of Citrix, when it comes to secure private access related to a browser, uh, I think there's at least three items to be covered. And I'm not sure exactly which ones this one's covering, where we're actually controlling the flow of the data back and forth through some type of you know, proxying mechanism. There's the secure browser, which is embedded in the Workspace app. And then there's a secure browser workspace service where it's actually launching the browser uh, somewhat seamlessly, very seamlessly to the end user, but in some other data center where you're totally isolating it other than the screen shots that come across. What is this blog specifically covering or is it covering all of them? Uh, I think it's covering all of them, right? Um, so the first thing first, it talks about, to that last thing, the flow, right? Or I guess maybe I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher the flow here, but, you know, ultimately, there's there's two things that this this blog auto definitely hits on is what is that user experience like? What is the user clicking on, and what's launching whenever they they do the clicking? So if I've got a URL that I'm clicking, you know, I think there are two ways for that URL to be presented to that end user. Um, the first one is there is a service that Citrix hosts called the Secure Browser Service, and that is basically a um, you know we like to call it a throwaway browser, but it's a browser instance that. Um, will launch that URL inside a containerized browser that's off your data center. So think about the original discussion where you published a URL, Andy, off your presentation server farm, your Zen app farm. That, that, that browser actually sat in your data center. This one actually sits offsite. In fact, Citrix hosts this, they manage it, they update it and maintain it. And the nice thing about it is, is once you click the link and it fires up, you know, that instance is created, it renders your, your web page. We'll skip the flow right now just to say that it also works with internal apps within your data center. So we can broker into an internal web app. But as soon as that user closes the tab, guess what? That browser has gone So along with any of the data that was in it. So that's a pretty important concept. Um, 
the other thing that this article hits on is um, there's also a browser embedded within uh, any of the modern workspace apps. So if you're launching this not from um, you know not from the uh, workspace for web, but from your local workspace app, then it'll actually initiate that local browser session within Workspace app, which by the way, the security controls that you get are the same ones you get in the browser service. It's just, where is that browser hosted? Either A, in the browser service, or B, launched from the Workspace app. So did that make sense? No, it does for me. I just find that um, for whatever reason, a lot of uh, legacy Citrix customers or even new ones they're just so understanding that Citrix is this presentation virtualization company that they don't even know these options exist. And, and you really don't even think that way until you start thinking digital workspace as a solution. And then all of a sudden, you know, left turns, right turns, go straight, turn around, go backwards. They all become doable within one pane of glass. Yeah, so I had a customer recently that we went down this path with, and they showed me what their user experience was for their positions, right? And the way it worked is they launched their EMR. And once they were inside their EMR, again, their EMR is hosted within their data center. It's being delivered with, you know, CBAD, right? And once they got into that EMR, sitting on a desktop inside their data center, we noticed that there was another page that popped up. And guess what that was? It was literally a URL that just had web links. And they would click any of those web links and it would take them somewhere else. Now, Andy, you and I both know that physicians don't like lots of clicks, right? They want to they click something and get right into it. And so when I showed them, you know, and this was literally a list of maybe 16, 20 different web links. I said, hey, you know, what if we took those web links out of, outside of this internal portal and presented those right inside of a workspace yeah. and they could click that link? It was like a game changer for them. Right. They had no idea that that was even an option. Why? No one had ever talked to them about it. So we did. To your point, we did. And it just kind of opened up a lot of possibility they hadn't considered. Well, and I, and I blame Citrix because of the success of all the other stuff. People just kind of, you know, there's still people to this day that are just now learning about uh, remoting protocols and how magical mm -hmm. that is. I saw my first one in 1999. Um, it, the success of that has kind of dwarfed all this other stuff, but this other stuff is where it's going next. Yeah. Um, as you know, the world of SaaS becomes more and more mainstream every day for everything. Yep, nope, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Now, so I think what's different is um, the fact that you can apply those same policies that we're used to doing with presentation server to any of these web links. And, and that, that's a game changer, right? So certainly I can do some single sign-on with these web apps, that's great. But being able to wrap that same level of security to it and you know, at the end of the day, also bypass the VPN just like I could before. Uh, again, that, that touches on that, um, that network flow you just discussed, but you know, we've got a way to broker internal websites um, even if they're rendered locally on my device. Yeah. Well, not only that, but also being able to control the access, right? So have it based on role-based uh, access controls, but also being able to, to manage and control uh, cut and paste and clipboard functionalities and printing cap printing functionalities as well within the browser, even though it's, you know, coming from a, from a secure browser service or from a, uh, secure browser inside the workspace app. Yeah, and that link right there you've got up right now, Andy, um, that's a great flow. So what that does is if you launch that, I'm not saying do it here, but uh, it takes you through the flow of the same web app with those security controls turned on or not turned on. So again, it's policy driven. Guys, help me understand where um, 
where the networking portion, and I'm, 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 I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on this, but the overall concept of routing your client uh, in user browser traffic through in and out of some technology to, to make sure it's clean or uh, sanitized first, what, what is that called? You are, we have, well, we have two different solutions here. So I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure which one you're hitting on. We've got um, secure internet access, which is really more filtering out based outbound traffic. Yeah. Uh, but then we also have, uh, you know, another solution that will basically, it's clientless access into internal web apps, you know, that sort of thing too. So uh, which one are you, are you thinking of? Um, I guess I'm thinking of clientless access. I'm, um, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on, the, the, the concept of being able to have end users proxy through something, you know, the old days of a, a Microsoft proxy, uh, mm-hmm. but now we're doing it through a service that is, um, you know, expecting, inspecting the traffic along the way so that if things that we know are bad or uh, you know, malicious type of activities are happening in that traffic, we're able to call it out and stop it. Uh, are you taking a WAF? So yeah, like a, like a web app firewall? Well, no, I'm really. I'm talking about really on the endpoint, the uh, end user. The um, I'm thinking like eyeballs type technologies. What are those called? I got you. I got you. So that is uh, Citrix Secure Internet Access, and okay. the idea behind that guy is there's an agent that would sit on either that endpoint or even within a virtual, you know, virtual desktop, you know, shared desktop, and you know, any of the traffic that's outbound would get scrubbed, you know, through the service. So let's say, for instance, you're publishing that browser, you know, even there was an app session or a, a DAS session. Um, you know, any of that outbound traffic's being scrubbed and the policies that we enable are everything from, you know, just just site content to, you know, DLP. Uh, I mean, the list of what you can scrub and, and again, manage that data um, yeah. is pretty lengthy. But the idea behind that is scrubbing the traffic uh, within the session, if that makes right. sense. Yep. Well, and, and that agent you talked about, the beautiful thing is you're already going to have the Citrix Workspace app on there. It is inside that that Workspace app, correct? It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, I know you both had to go at the bottom of the hour. I do too, so it's probably fine. I think what we'll do is, as a follow-on to this conversation, we'll do secure internet access uh, next. So we take the the browser story and then this story, tie them two together, and then we move on to the other 20 features we got to cover for our listeners and try to expand everybody's horizons beyond CVAD and beyond presentation server and WinFrame and MetaFrame. Yeah all the beautiful, successful things that we all thought was magical then, it still is. I mean, I don't want to diminish that. It still is. But there's so much more that we need in a digital workspace strategy. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Todd, uh, got the uh, New York uh, Excel thing coming up, right? CUGC? We do. We have a uh, CUGC Excel event coming up on July 27th. It's going to be at Yankee Stadium. Uh, we got a, we've got a great lineup of... Uh, presenters, uh, including Joe Kim, who was our chief product officer. We've also got Christian Riley, who's one of our, he's our uh, chief product strategist when it comes to technologies. Uh, We also have several CTPs and other folks that are going to be joining us. Uh, It's a full day event. Uh, Registration is available. Go to mycugc.org and uh, it'll probably prompt you to create a new account because the platform did change, but uh, go ahead and register for that event. Uh, Once again, it's a great opportunity. It's free of charge. Um, uh, You know, uh, there is a limit on the number of people that can register, so register now. Um, It's a great opportunity to go hear what's the latest and greatest from not only Citrix, but a lot of our innovation partners and ecosystem partners as well, as well as 
going to visit the uh, the hallowed halls of Yankee Stadium. Is that going to be virtual as well? Are they going to do a, a an in person, but also make it virtual? No, this is a fully in person event. Well, Todd, I'm going to go ahead and start planning my trip. Yep, <laughs> I'll be there. Guys, Can't thanks. Wait. I know you got to run. We'll see you next week. All right, thanks, All right. Andy. Thanks, thanks Andy. Have a safe Fourth of July.